Well, church, welcome. And how great it is to pray and to serve Jesus Christ, the one God, together for missions here, afar, around the corner, in your own backyard. Praise God for that. So if you would please look in your copy of the Bible to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians. And if you remember, last week we finished the series on biblical leadership, where we were talking about deacons, elders, and how deacons are those who support the shepherding and how the elders shepherd. But you know very clearly, for you, the body of Christ, as you just saw on the slides on the video, to do the work of the ministry. So the book of Ephesians deals with this, but now we're talking this week and for the next four weeks on the subject, biblical growth, how to grow as God's church. And the purpose is not informational. The purpose is relational, a recommitment to the Lord today. And we'll have an opportunity to make that decision again today to recommit to the Lord and to our loved ones and to people who we work with, people who we go to school with, people in this church, people who need to be in this church, a recommitment to the Lord Jesus Christ because you are the ones who are carrying forth God's priorities in Christ. You know, people have said that the church should be that which leads in topics such as politics, issues concerning the economy, issues of life, concerns about race, the concerns about the climate, problems with gender, entertainment, and even topics concerning war the church should be concerned about. And I say to you that we should, but do you know, do we know, do we practice God's priorities on how to lead and how to grow in God's church? And as we, as a people, do that not only for those within the church, but as I said earlier, those who should be in the church. And so the book of Ephesians talks about these priorities. Chapters 1 through 6 explains God's five priorities for our growth so that we and the church can lead for Christ. The theme of the book of Ephesians is one key word. And I already said the word to you. It's the number or the word one. And each of the chapters of the book of Ephesians builds on the previous chapter so that we know how to lead and how to recommit to God's priorities. So I want to list to you those priorities per the chapter. We're going to go over them quickly, and we're going to come to a point of recommitment at the end of this message. So the first priority is in the first chapter, and it is this, that there is one God. Christ is God over all. The second priority and the second chapter 
one peace. Christ's peace destroys the hostility of all. The third priority, chapter 3, one body. Christ's body includes all. The fourth priority, one fellowship. Christ, Christ's fellowship comforts all. And then the last priority, chapters 5 and 6, one flesh. Christ's love protects all. So what again is that first priority? It is this. One God, Christ is God over all. And the key verse is in chapter 1, verse 10. And this is why you're looking in your copy of the Bible. To bring, it says in chapter 1, verse 10, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The first priority is because there is no greater priority than Jesus Christ being one God. All heaven and all earth are now under Christ. He said that at the conclusion of his resurrection. All authority is his. But I'm not referring to political or militant dominance. That will happen at the end of this age. But it is now lives, hearts, those who are saved, and yes, even those who are unsaved, who by faith come to Jesus Christ, one God, because of that Christ, that is priority one. Leaders, and I say this to us, because the body of Christ is already endued with leadership. You are the leaders for this generation. Leaders, we lead by beginning with Christ as one true God. This is so important, so inexorable, so in, uh, unable to ever leave this out, that unless we lead people to hope in Christ, then there is no hope. There is no hope other than being leaders of a sinking ship. Leaders lead by living, displaying, talking, walking, bringing people to Christ, to unity in one true God, Jesus Christ. And for those who are good students, you here, I encourage you, study the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 specifically, because you'll find that this claim that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh is upheld by the verses in chapter 1. And I'll go over them quickly for you to write down just for your own study. And verse 4, for example, Christ chose us. That is, only God can choose and chose us before all the creation of this planet. Or verse 5, Christ loved us. Only God, only God could love us and bring us to adoption. And I want you to note, because you're studying chapter 1, He never predestines, never predestines those to hell. People choose. People have free will to choose to reject Him. Ah, but God, God through Christ loves us, and he chose us sinners. Or verse 7, Christ purchased us. Only God 
could pay for the forgiveness of the debt of what we have done as we sung this morning. Or verse 9, Christ reveals his will to us. Only God, only God can explain his own will, and he does it through the presence of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Spirit are one, are one God, and that Spirit reveals his will to us. Or last, verse 13, Christ included us. Only God could put a seal upon us, a mark, a reminder, a token of his Holy Spirit. And when he returns, he takes us unto himself, the seal of the Holy Spirit. But I ask you a question, what is the impact of one God? It is hope. With Christ, there is hope because he is the one God who displays the authority of God in the flesh. And with him, an atheist, an agnostic, a person who's of another religion or those who have no religion, any person, your neighbors, people who you meet, strangers, anyone can hope in one God who is good amid all of the wickedness and the evil that we are now feeling and experiencing. This comes from one God, Jesus Christ. And as we, the body of Christ, those who are following Christ, as we prioritize him in our thoughts, in our lives, we grow. This church grows. But if you want hope and you don't say or you don't think that you have hope, you will have opportunity. You have opportunity now to accept the hope of the one God who loves us, Jesus Christ. And we We'll have opportunity even to do that this morning at the end of this message. So what is the second priority? The second priority is this. One, peace. Christ's peace destroys the hostility of all. The key verses in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For he, he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, that is Jews and non-Jews, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Christ's peace began when God removed the wall of hostility between him and us by forgiving our sins. So therefore, leaders, is it any wonder that we must prioritize Christ's peace in the same way between us? However, when people prioritize or passively agree with the world's philosophy, world's philosophy concerning a variety of topics such as independence, individuality, aloofness, politics, preferences, sexual choice, marital unfaithfulness, or the most basic, just plain old ignoring God. When we agree 
even passively so, with that world philosophy, do we realize that this agreement incites hostility? Not only against God's peace, but also against each other. In other words, anything that does not agree with Christ's revealed word incites hostility. I didn't say this. James, in the book of James, said that this disagreement, this disagreement is hostility with God. And it's because we are hostile with God and not He with us. Friends, I want to tell you there is an impact of one piece. The impact of one piece is that hostility has ended. There is no hostility in Jesus Christ. And leaders who prioritize time with the peace of Christ, spending time with the Lord Himself, grow, grow in His one peace. And our church grows as well. So what's the third priority? One body. Christ's body includes all. The key verses in chapter 3, verse 6, this mystery, the apostle says, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. Now, one body is a mystery that was hidden before time, and it is the mystery that he includes anyone he wants who receives him by faith in Christ. And he gives the same rights to all equally anyone who comes into Christ's body. And so leaders, we need to remember, we work, we live, we, our families exist for one body, the church. It's not our agenda, not our needs, not our interests. We and the church grow. When we prioritize, we care, we minister to each other in one body, His body. So what's the impact of one body? All may come to the body of Christ by faith, regardless of religion, regardless of background, regardless of flavor. Leaders, we must prioritize one body in Jesus Christ. So the fourth priority, what is it? One fellowship. Christ's fellowship comforts all. And the key verses in chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And here you hear the theme repeated again from the Apostle. One body, he goes on to say. One Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, and you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. The word keep means to preserve or to guard, to watch, to keep intact what God has made. Not what we made. It is what He has made this fellowship and we are responsible to maintain one fellowship. 
so that we comfort all in the unity of the Spirit. But we can only do this, we can only do this by personally comforting one another. You know, the, the fellowship of the church worldwide is being tried and tested. Can we comfort and maintain and guard the unity of the Spirit if not in person? Pandemics, wars, threats have persisted and they will come and persist again. But have they made optional the scriptural command to meet? As the book of Hebrews says, do not forsake the fellowship with one another. So what is the impact of one fellowship? It is comfort. Comfort leaders who prioritize one God. And I say this for those who are leading in their homes, or leading as singles, or leading as in school, or leading in business, or with friends. If we prioritize one God, chapter 1, one peace, chapter 2, one body, chapter 3, one fellowship, chapter 4, then we comfort and maintain unity in Christ. And we grow and the church grows. So what's the fifth priority, the last priority? This is the hardest one. It is the gritty action of one flesh. Christ's love protects all. Chapter four, 5 through 6 or chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 are these, here are the key verses. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, but among you there must not even be the hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. As opposed to the fragrant offering of Christ, there's a smell, there's a sickness, there's a failure in one flesh of Christ's body, and it is this. It's actually the church's world pandemic. One flesh refers to the fact of marriage between a husband and wife, because it is sacred, it's inviolable, and it cannot be broken. And though people break it, it is not broken in the eyes of God. But more than this has been broken, this is not the only area. We have not loved like Christ loved. We have not cared for Him and how He has loved us. And it's been evidenced in marriage, in sexual immorality, impurity, Greed, obscenity, evil talk, and with regard to life. You know, the reference to loving one's wife as Christ loves the church is a requirement. But Scripture 
But Scripture does not limit the requirement to marriage alone. Christ loves all the church. It is his one flesh, his one body. And if you go through the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and 6 is a compendium of loving like Christ in marriage, for those who are unmarried, by submitting to one another, in business, with children, with anyone, friend or even foe, to love as Christ loves the church. And he gave himself for her. So if we understand that marriage is one flesh as Christ loves us, then all relationships should mirror the love as Christ loves. But we have failed. We fail still. And we have failed in the past. So the book of Malachi talks about this being part of the past. This is the past that has gone on from ages past to the present time. And Malachi explains that the failures are actually symptoms, symptoms of preferences that affect all people in all relationships. And he lists in chapter 2 three preferences. For example, the first one, that people prefer that which is foreign to faithfulness. Malachi chapter 2 verse 11 says, Judah has been unfaithful and has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord, the one the Lord loves, by marrying women who worship a foreign god. Now hear what the scripture is saying, even to us today, that this is not so much about going outside of one's religion to marry that which is foreign, but that all of Judah and all of what we seem to experience today is going after and lusting after that which is foreign, which that is breaking lives, breaking people. The second preference, people prefer tears to truth. Chapter 2, verse 13 of Malachi Another thing you do, the prophet says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because, there, because he no longer looks with favor upon your offerings. Religious tears, though they are frequent, religious acts, though they are redundant perhaps, are preferred to the truth, the truth of God's word. And the third preference, it is the preference of violence to virtue. Chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. The Lord is witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. And the man who hates and divorces his wife does violence to the one that he should protect. And this is not only the violence that takes place in a ruptured life or in a ruptured home, but as we pursue and we fail to pursue that which is virtue in the eyes of God, what happens is that it's being supplanted. The vacuum has now rushed in with violence. And it seems that as our own society experiences, violence is increasing 
So these are the symptoms of preferences. And they should not be among those who want to love as Christ loves. I don't intend to poke myself in the eye or poke you in the eye, which I, I feel it myself. But many here, praise God, many here are relearning that all relationships are for Christ's glory. And these relationships exist not for my satisfaction, but for His glory, though He does bless when we pursue them for His glory. But if there are any preferences, any preferences based on what I want, what I like, what I'm attracted to, what I, I, I want, then we and this world cannot long ignore the consequence of what God, the prophet says, hates. This must stop. This must stop in the church. And we must love as Christ loves the church. Or we perish. So what's the impact of one flesh? The impact is this. Christ loves the church. And he's married to us. And he's faithful. And he blesses. And he blesses us. He blesses us when we love like Christ loves the church. So I come to the point where I had mentioned earlier, would you be committed? Would you recommit to lead in God's priorities? Whether you lead as a man in a family, as a young lady who is not, as a single teen, as a young child, as a leader, will you lead in God's priorities? The book of Ephesians says, lead in one as one God. Lead in one peace. Lead in one body. Lead in one fellowship. Lead in one flesh. Friends, we must be one in Christ. For if we're not, then we'll, we will be none in Christ. And so now I invite you. I invite you with the elders and I ask the elders to come forward or begin coming forward because I want to invite you to come to the stage, to the altar, to come and to pray. And if you wish to pray publicly, then we invite you. If you wish to pray privately where you're seated, we invite you. But we ask you, pray and recommit your life, the life of your loved ones, the life of those who you will love, the, we ask you to recommit to God's priorities. And so I ask you publicly or privately, come and pray with us as we are now listening and praying silently. Let us pray together. Come. Come.